You are listening to the People-Centric Podcast, where we talk through the toughest challenges that people face at work and give practical advice to fixing those challenges. Thanks for joining our movement to create workplaces that are happier, healthier, aligned, and empowered by putting people at the center of all that we do. Hey, people-centric leaders, welcome back to another episode of the People-Centric Podcast. We're excited about this topic, and one of the reasons why we're excited about this topic is because, uh, darn it, just like a lot of these topics that we've been bringing, it's so relevant, and it's so relevant, and there's probably, this might even be initially anyway, as we're describing the topic and as we're getting into it, you might fall on one side or another from this, and I think if you're an employer versus an employee, uh, you might have differing opinions on maybe what what this what this looks like too. You know, our title of people centric. This is what we do. We work to connect people and and put people at the center of every organization that we work with. But but over the past few years here, especially during COVID, it's this idea of maybe tech centric. I think Don just talked about this idea of tech centric here. How do I get creative with technology? Because people are working remotely. They're scattered about all over. In fact, some of you are probably hiring people that are no longer maybe even in the same city that you're operating in. They're, they're remote as in different states and we've got to get creative with tech. And many people added great tech uh, to their offices uh, to be able to Zoom, uh, Teams, you know, things like that to be able to communicate. Um, but has that tech-centric kind of environment taken away from the people-centric flavor that we're hoping to be able to build within cultures and organizations uh, that, that, you're, that you're working so hard to be able to build within cultures and organizations across the country too. And so this topic was inspired by our own Bethany Taff, and she's going to share a story. Bethany, would you like to share the story of maybe how this happened? And it's funny, the lessons we learn, if you're parents of kids, the lessons we learn uh, from our kids and also the lessons we learn as parents from trying to parent our kids too. Uh, and it brings these epiphanies about. Uh, so anyway, Bethany, set the stage for us. Yeah. So this is, I was thinking about this the other day because we, my daughter, our oldest daughter is seven and she, we got for her for Christmas, one of those like kids Alexas. So they have all kinds of fun things. It's like set up so they can listen to music and they can listen to, you know, kids podcasts and like books and all kinds of stuff like that. They can ask Alexa all kinds of questions. So it's really entertaining, but it also has like the function to be able to set an alarm clock for them, which we thought, oh, that'll be great. She could do that. And then we could set this alarm clock. It'll make it really efficient in the mornings. Right. And she'll be able to get up. And it was helping sort of wake up our son who's five two in the next room. And um, so then they would wake up in the morning and then like, I don't have to do it. And then they can just start getting ready. And then I can just start getting ready. And it sort of takes that that piece out of it for us. But as a result too, Alexa became, no offense to Alexa, but um, it became a little bit of a problem for other reasons. And so we decided we needed to remove Alexa from her room. <laughs> But that also meant that we no longer had the alarm clock option for her specifically, not to say that we couldn't get just a regular alarm clock, but we didn't have the alarm clock option available now for her. And so I was, so now, so now waking up the kids is on me again, which as I went into it, you know, I thought, I thought, okay, well, this takes me an extra step. It probably is going to take me a little bit longer to get them w woken up, waking up, well, what's, I don't know, woken up. 
And so, but it was also something that as I, as I move, as we made that change, it was a really good thing because I think it was a point where I was, I was missing out on an opportunity to, to connect with my kids first thing in the day and sort of set the stage for our communication and building on our relationship that day. And, um, and so it took, maybe takes a little bit longer, but it also was really good for us to be able to have that connection point. And so, so that was sort of the story of it, of not that we never will have a alarm clock for them ever again, but at least right now in this season, it's really good for us to be able to have that. And so that's something that we, that we would have maybe missed out on before just by trying to make our morning maybe more efficient. And so it was sort of this moment of maybe that's not always better sometimes. And I think that that translates to organizations and especially to what Matt was saying over the last um, couple of years of we have tried to become really efficient. We have all of this technology and it's really awesome and it can be really awesome, but sometimes we also are going to miss out on the people connections if we're not careful too. And there, there are times that that maybe should be prioritized. You know, the Alexa people, let me just say, they're doing great with the marketing because we refer to them like we had to take Alexa out of the room. It's like a per, it's like a person. It was a device. It's a digital device <laughs> that you took out, but all, we get, we get so um, attached. Like they're killing it on the marketing side over there. And, and Amazon wasn't listening in, but they did call Bethany the next day and say, Hey, we noticed that you've moved the device. <laughs> Notice that you have removed the device. That voice is Don Harkey. We'll introduce the team here. We do have the full team today. Don Harkey. Don, I know you're a big, you're I know you're a big fan of all the technology stuff, right? I do love the technology stuff. And I don't know if that's so much uh, my engineering background from that, maybe a little bit, but more so because I use the technology to help make up for my own inadequacies in terms of organization. Like I need, I need the help. I need the assistance. So yes, I'm a big fan of technology and automation for sure. Yeah. Also uh, with this Diana royalty, Diana, how do you, do you have one of these, by the way, let's just take a poll. Do you have one of these and how do you use it? I don't have one. I am not a huge tech fan. I don't, so I don't, I love my very good computer and my very good phone. And that's about all that I have. I don't, I don't do a lot of the other no stuff. No automated lights or anything like that. that you, no, no, no. I have a little timer on my outside lights. Does that, that probably doesn't count. A timer? Like you have yeah, to like like dial it up school. and dial it up and plug it in? It's digital, but you do have to like push the button to like, you know, get it to the right time. So you have to like push it oh. six times. It's digital, but yeah. yeah so would you say you're probably the least techie person in the greater Seattle area? Then? <laughs> um, I don't know. I've heard that a lot of Gen Z are like pushing back against even smartphones. So like, maybe not, I don't know. Well, Speaking for my 18-year-old son, that is not true, <laughs> not true at all, uh, but that's my own poll. <clears throat> also, Stephanie Anderson. Stephanie, how about you? Do you have one of these devices? And if so, what's your favorite command? I do not have one. Yeah, I know. I You're surprised. I, yeah. I don't. Um, I will say this is one of those things that kind of freaks me out. And so I never got one. Maybe I'm on like the conspiracy theory side of this. Of they're already doing geofencing marketing ads to me. I don't need them listening to all the rest of my stuff. And oh. so um, we never, we never got one. Um, and now we've lived without one and our lives are fine. So we probably will never get one. And honestly, kind of same today, like we don't have even like a super high tech home. Like we have our our laptops and our phones and personal devices and things like that. But otherwise, like I turn on my light switches 
just like everybody else every day. And I set my thermostat the old fashioned way. So, 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 so I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, Matt. I automated my mom's house for Christmas a couple of years ago and she loves it. She love, love, loves it. She can turn on the lights in different places. She's got a house at the basement. Sometimes my brother will be over and he'll be down watching TV in the basement. She can intercom from the kitchen down below. She does her shopping list on it so that when she goes shopping, she just, it just collects all the stuff that you need whenever you do stuff. She automates the outside. We did to the outside of her house this year. She just love, love, loves it. And she did not think she would like it and she loves it. So that's my argument for Stephanie and Diana and Bethany to jump in yeah. both feet. And, and I think that reminds me a lot of the Jetsons. And so there's some, some love in that thought. Um, that would be nice, but I, yeah, I think for me, I may be more in, even in the camp Diana was talking about, I'm not a Gen Zer, but I share some of their sentiments of like, if I could chuck my phone into the ocean and if we could all do that collectively and just go back to like leaving each other voicemails on an answering machine. That would be so nice. Like there are so many moments where I'm like, I'm too reachable and I don't want this anymore. And there are too many platforms to check. Like the number of ways that uh, things that I have to check to see if people have messaged me is just too much. Some days so I watch, like- I watch nineties movies and think, I wish I saw an answering machine. I could just leave and not think about any of it. Well, 90s. Okay. I was going to say, it's funny because you said, I wish we could just go back. And I thought you were going to go like the 50s whenever you didn't have access, but you went back to the answering machine, like to the 80s. Like, yes, I still want to be yeah. at a hold of just yeah. at my, at I my don't want to, I don't want to go too far back because, you know, things start looking not as great, you know, history wise for, for us, if I go too far back. So I'll go to like the nineties of where like just the amount of technology sometimes feels really overwhelming to me some days. Huh. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm envisioning now Diana and Stephanie are the two that actually get up and turn the channels on their console TVs too, if they wanted to change programming and watch what they're, <laughs> you're like some technologies. Okay. No. Yeah, they- I do have a remote, but I do have an old school classic NES you know, Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. And I do have to go and like push the buttons on that, like hit restart <laughs> to do the game over. So like, yes, I do have to do that. I mean, I do have like a, a real like clock in my house that I have to like put batteries in. And it's been really bothering me because the batteries ran out the other day and the number of times I've like looked at the clock and now it's not been right. Like I don't actually, like I actually use that in my kitchen to tell time and like time recipes and do some of that stuff. Like I know we're in a world where some people can't even read that clock. anymore if it's not a digital clock then they look at that and they're like that's a cute decoration and I'm like that's how I tell time my alarm clock is a bell alarm clock there's no snooze it's just like a and you have to hit it I'm not kidding it is you don't have a snooze (laughs) no it's like it's like a like all right all right so let me and I use an outhouse I don't even have a toilet (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was going to say, we probably should move on. Because- that's coming from Don that enjoys faxes. So, you know, they, you, you probably heard the heard the talking uh, there. And, and honestly, honestly, if you know our team long enough now, we could have done that just for the rest of the hour and filled that in. Just done that back and forth. But let's let's maybe learn you something at the same time as we're going through this, right? So let's let's equate this to what does this look like in, in business? Uh, you're, you're probably thinking to yourself, man, we put so many 
processes into place. We have so many new processes into place because of the technology that we also had to put into place to be able to run business, to be able to do work. I remember and this can be open for anybody, but I remember whenever we were still working with organizations and the pandemic was, you know, it was a reality and people were starting to work from home. It was like, oh, great. We can't meet anymore. Great. I can't have one-on-ones anymore. Great. You know, I, there goes communication. And our message the entire time was, no, 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 you just have to be a little bit more intentional. No, you can do it. You just have to be a little bit more intentional about putting it on the calendar. You know, if you remember at that time, uh, it wasn't just the work. It was people doing the virtual social hours. Remember that? They're like, grab a drink after work and jump on this Zoom call with your fake Hawaiian background or whatever it was at the time. You know, it was like, hey, it's a luau. Look at us. Uh, We're having great team building. Um, But then I think over the course of time, people have been going, Technology is great, but you know what we're missing? We're missing this human interaction, this opportunity where we actually do come around the table uh, to be able to interact. So maybe let's talk about let's talk about why we're seeing this as an important part, and why maybe more people are talking about how do I create that uh, that culture where people do see the benefit of coming together actually in person and within organizations as well. Don, would you like to start us off? Yeah, so this is where I'm actually at. So this is not just a fake background <laughs> behind me like that. Look at that. That's you learn all these tricks of like I can make my face <laughs> appear in the palm tree just by doing that, and right, then it's yeah. gone. But uh, yeah, no, I mean I think that we talk about like is it the technology or is it the people interactions, and it really it is both. Like we learned in the pandemic that you could do a Zoom call just for social reasons just to be able to hang out with each other, just to be able to talk to each other. And unfortunately, I think that what we're seeing now is that people got tired of the Zoom call thing, but they also love the efficiency of it. So now we do Zoom calls where we jump on, but it's only about business stuff. I think I'll share a story with our team. We recognize like as we jump into meetings, we meet, we have a couple of meetings that are standing meetings during the week that we jump onto. And sometimes we'll even, sometimes this is podcast and we'll jump in and say, okay, let's talk about what's the topic for the podcast going to be this week. What are we going to focus on? And uh, for a little while, like we were just jump and get straight to business. And I think our team recognized that we were missing something. And we started to have conversations before we would jump into the actual topics. And you would look at it and say, well, that's an inefficient meeting. That's a waste of time. That's not very good. You're leveraging the technology wrong. But we realized, like, let's lean into that. Like, that helps us to build a stronger team. Like, our work is challenging. It's difficult. We need to be able to listen to each other. We need to be able to enjoy each other. You guys need to hear my humor. Otherwise, those jokes just get lost in the car on the way to and from work. And I think I'm funny, but you guys are missed out on that stuff. So that needs to go to the rest of the world. So I think that I like Bethany's point there. Sometimes the technology can be helpful for us and make us efficient, but maybe we go a bit too far with it, with all the technology. You know, and, and and talk about it like this too. And Don, I know you have thoughts, and everybody else can jump in on it on it as well. If I am an employer looking to hire somebody, when is the you know take? You know, there's a lot of statistics on this, but what are my opportunities there to be able to create a highly engaged employee at that time right off the bat? Like, is it is it functional to be able to onboard somebody totally through technology? Totally through, here. Here, I'm going to send you a series of emails. Please fill out these documents jump on this team's meeting, we'll go through some more onboarding and orientation, which I understand if you're hiring out-of-state employees, that's probably a reality. But is that the best opportunity to be able to create one of those highly engaged employees that we're hoping to integrate onto the team from the word go? Like what best practices might we share with uh, about trying to create those highly engaged employees from the beginning? I think the same rules apply. It's just different tools, right? 
Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's, yes, it can be super efficient to say, like, we're going to just set this up. I've sent you a series of emails, like, go through all of these. We'll report back later. But it's also like, you, I think we underestimate today, especially just like the value of saying, like, let's just even take us some time to like go to lunch with with the team that you're going to work directly with, or just like get on and meet everybody and like have a conversation. If you have to do it over, over a zoom call or something like that. And it's not even about the training at this point. It's just like a, Hey, like this is where you're working now. And like, here's what we're setting out to do. And like the vision that we have for what we're doing as an organization. And also like, here's our team and here, who are you? And like, let's just interact in that way. And so I think it's so, I think it's super undervalued, but it has a big impact on the retention for your, for your staff. Yeah. And I, and am I wrong? I was just thinking about this. I'm pretty sure like Stephanie and Diana, you've never met in person. Isn't that true? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Weird, but true. Yeah. And that, that does feel weird. I think as you say that, because like in the interactions and stuff with the team, you wouldn't know that. I think if you interacted with our team online, you would have no idea that Stephanie and Diana have never met in person. I'm thinking of one client that we picked up before, just as the pandemic was starting that I've never, and this is unusual. We do go on site for most of our clients and spend some time, but there's one that I've never been, I've, there's a lot of the people that I work with on a regular basis that I've never met. So you have to be like Bethany said, you have to be deliberate about forming those relationships, right? That is part of work. Forming relationships with each other is part of work. I know that's not an efficient thing. You can't put that on the PL productivity and all that kind of stuff. But those relationships make do have an impact, positive impact on productivity long term, even if they they're not short term. Yeah, like yesterday, Stephanie called me to talk about work. And we talked about work for a significant amount of time. But I think we spent just as much time talking about other things. We just sort of meandered. We talked about politics. We talked about Springfield. We talked about supplements. I mean, we just sort of like weirdly derailed in all these different topics. But I think, I think we have you have to do that when you work with people. You have to learn who they are. You have to build some trust and camaraderie and friendship. And then today, when she's like, "Hey, I need help," it's like, "Yeah, of course I'm going to help you." Not a weird, like, Hey, I don't really know you, or I don't know what you're doing, but I'm going to ask you for help anyway. You know, it just, it's easier to do when you feel like, you know, people and trust them and, and have some sort of connection with them. But that means like when you met yesterday, virtually, that means you had to be just to, some basics on this. Cause I've seen this mistake made. We do, we use zoom. We also use teams, right? You probably met on a team's call. Cause it was probably internal. We use that for a lot for internally, but you both had cameras on. You're both engaged with each other in the moment. It's the same rules that you would have if you were in a room. It's just that for some re- weird reason, what is acceptable socially across a zoom call or teams call is different than what would be in a conference room. If you, if we performed, this would be a funny idea for a video, Matt, we should do this later. Like if you had the same rules that you have on a Teams call or Zoom call in a conference room, what would that look like? Like I'm sitting there with a laptop open, just working on something completely different where you can't, like I put a screen in front of me so you can't see me, you know, but we're going to sit and have a meeting. Like you would never do that in live. So why would you do that virtually? Like you need to have where your camera's on so you can see the expressions, you can see the responses, so you can communicate. Most of our communication one-to-one comes from not the verb things we say, but by the other things we do, the the non the nonverbals, the body language, those types of things. Yeah, and in that same call at 
some point Bethany like walked around the around Stephanie's desk and like hung out in the background too. It was like a it was like having a lunch break or a whatever break room or something. And we just like did it over Zoom. But it's partially because we've created those habits already and we've said it's cool to jump in. It's cool to to talk about other things. If we had a boss like, you know, Don or someone who was like, no, when you're on a Zoom call, you're talking about business. It is for work. It, it We need you to be focused 100% of the time. Like, it's hard to build a relationship if all you're going to do is talk about work. I can't, I can't do much with that. Yeah. I'm going to echo that. I'm like, yeah, like Dan and I got a lot of done got a lot done yesterday, but we also got to like build some relationship with each other and like recognizing like someone said it earlier and I'm sorry, I can't remember which, which person I said this, but like, are we losing that human connection kind of at the cost of being ultra efficient sometimes? And, you know, we were even thinking about just lots of different clients that we worked with where we realized, yeah, they kind of put some of these weird practices in place, maybe, maybe it came out of COVID that they still are doing because they found it was really effective, but it kind of squashes like that healthy team culture and collaboration. You know, we talked about like not having cameras on for zoom calls, which I get sometimes you're just like having a rough day or you're sick or something. You can't have your camera on, but I think we've all been on those calls. I mean, I've done one recently where out of like 10 people on the call, it was me and one other person with their cameras on. It was meant to be like a collaborative brainstorming time. It felt really, really hard to get new ideas out when we couldn't see each other and you couldn't see like those non-verbals in the communication or we have other clients we worked with who still, you know, are everyone sitting in their own individual office or cubicle for a Zoom meeting, even though physically we're all a couple feet from each other. And again, get where that came from, from COVID, but now we're looking at it and saying to them like, Hey, do you think that's having an impact on your meetings and the collaboration? And again, usually it's very highly effective. They can have more meetings in a day. They can maybe quote unquote accomplish more, but their team dynamic is really suffering because of it. I think if they could get people together, because I think what, what we're seeing with some of those clients too, is they're jamming so many meetings in there's actually no room for the interpersonal connection anymore. We've become so efficient. We've eliminated any human connection. And that's when you get on calls. And if somebody's joking around in the first minute or two, you'll have somebody go, so are we going to get this meeting started or not? Yeah. And recognizing like, we might never do that in, in real life and in person, or if we weren't trying to be so efficient, you know, we might leave more room for that. Yeah. Yeah. And then another example too, that I think that some people have gotten into is just like, because we have these really awesome tools and like, we, like we use Microsoft teams. And so we use that to keep track of like client notes and meeting notes or updates on things or things like that. And, and it's awesome. And we can, we can communicate a lot and super effectively that way. But we also prioritize having like a team meeting at the beginning of every week to talk about some of the updates and to think more strategically about like next steps that we need to take and things like that. And some of that gets missed. I think if people say, okay, we're fully just going to go to this tool and say, we're only going to put all of those updates and all of that information in here. And it's just up to you to go read all of that. And then we're never going to have a conversation about it. And so I think that there are things like that, that are, that are really missed, that there's other examples of that for organizations where they've swung really hard one way or the other, where they're like, 
we only do meetings and we don't have any systems or places to put that information or we only put this we only use this tool and we never talk about it outside of that and i think that it's a mistake both ways most of the time there's probably a little bit of the in between where it's like no you really need to have a, you need to have some of those technologies and some of those systems in place but you also need to be able to have places prioritized to have conversations as well so yeah. And, and personal conversations, like conversations that are just mean, like, how are you? Are you okay? Like we train managers to ask those questions on a regular basis and not just like, what are you doing right now? So I can judge your productivity, but just like, how are you doing as a person? Like, how does that connect? For one thing is it helps you to connect with the other person, but it helps them to connect and feel cared for at work too. So then you know that you've got each other's back, just like Stephanie brought up earlier, those conversations that you had with Diana yesterday and you, you both connected, that helps you to be able to collaborate better in the future. Oftentimes, like we'll do retreats with people. This is not even a technology option. And we'll say, okay, we're going to do this retreat and we're going to have lunch in the middle of it. And sometimes management, like the top management will push us to say, all right, we'll do a working lunch. Like we're going to bring lunch in and everybody can grab their plate, fill up their plate and we'll keep on going. Like we just got to keep, keep, keep working through it. And a lot of times, especially if it's a longer session, we will push back on that and say, no, we're going to, we're going to take a good, good, at least a half an hour, if not an hour to just eat and just reflect and take a minute. And what we'll see, especially like for strategic planning is a really good example. If we're doing an all day strategic planning session, we will lean in hard on the lunch thing and say like, no, we need time to unplug is the afternoon is more efficient. When you take that time, you think you're being efficient. You know, we've talked about time management before and the idea like you got to take breaks and you got to take steps, step away. You got to think you're allow your mind to go in a different spot, but it, you can be more, you can, it feels like you're going to be less efficient if you don't work through lunch, but you're going to actually be more efficient. I think the other example too, Bethany, going back to your point about like the team's calls and all of that. I think the other one is emails. It's been around for a long time. How many times it's easier and more efficient if Matt, ticks me off about something for me to fire an email to him. Plus I can select my font sizes and colors more carefully and the memes that I want to send him that accurately reflect their emotions that I'm feeling at the moment. But it's probably better just to call. Or if there's a complex topic, Diana and I had one yesterday, we were talking about a client that we were working with and we were kind of going back and forth in teams and we did it about two or three times. And then I think we both hit the call button at the same time because we were just about like, we just got to talk about this. We could keep doing this for forever. Let's jump into it. And it, it made it more, that one did make it more efficient for us than writing it back and forth. But it also did help us to collaborate better. So it's not about the technology and it's not about just the people. It's about how those two things mold together, I think. I think part of this is also selling as an employee or selling your employees on this idea. You know, you're dealing with a workforce now. You're trying to hire people now that maybe got accustomed to working completely remotely over the last couple of years and, and getting, I think that's a real psychological thing, like getting them to get to a place to where they want to be around, no offense, be around you again and want to hang out with you. Why am I doing this? And, you know, selling them on the idea of that, you know, we're, we're saying that you could do this in person. You can also do this remotely. You'll just have to maybe be a little bit more uh, proactively intentional about the remote um, that part of that, of, of being able to visually see that person and set some time uh, in there. But if I am an employer trying to hire these folks, because I, I can just hear that other side of this too. There's plenty of articles that are talking about like nobody wants to come back. Like they don't want to come back. How do I get them back here? To, I want to do all these fun things that you're saying. Yeah, Bethany, I would love to take them to lunch. You know who doesn't want to go to lunch? 
those people. Uh, they want to just work at home. They want to be there. And I think that's a there's a personality side of that. Like, just tell me what you want me to do, please. Just please, like, we're cool. Just tell me what you want me to do. I don't have to go to lunch with you. But then there's also this benefit. How do we sell them on the idea of the benefit? But also, what words of encouragement maybe do we have to employers trying to be able to find the balance of, yes, I want to be an employer of choice. And sometimes that means flexible time, right? Or allowing people to work from home without having to be here uh, in certain types of organizations. But but also I want, I see the benefit of doing this culturally too. Like where's the balance there? What, what words of encouragement do we have uh, for them? Well, first of all, Matt, you said something I thought it was kind of funny. It reminded me of a call I got from a client and this was a little while ago because uh, we were coming back from the pandemic, like coming, like certain things are opening up again and they had all these employees and they're like, and they're not coming into the office. Like they don't want to come into the office. They want to work from home and all of that. And I said, you know, you can make your employees come to the office, right? So just as a reminder, like you don't have to talk your employees into coming back to the office. If you need them to come to the office, you can still say, it's okay. This is, this is Don for people-centric, giving you permission, if you're a manager, to tell your employees that they have to come to the office every now and then. Now, I'm going to encourage you to think about, like, why do you have them come to the office? It's because always coming to the office may not be necessary. Sometimes coming to the office might be the right answer for that, but you don't have to convince your employees whether they want to come or not. The other thought I had, Matt, of what you were saying is that sometimes there's different personalities. There's some people who don't want to go to the office. And you said, like, everybody doesn't want to go to the office. I think some people learned working from home that they didn't like working from home as much as they thought they were going to work from home. So I don't think it's most people want to work from home even. And I would even argue that some people who think they want to work for home don't realize that that's not good for them, even individually. Like it's actually feels better. It's easy to get kind of into a rut and say, it's nice to kind of, it's nice to put on a button up shirt and still wear sweatpants and go to work and sit into the, and nobody knows it and sit in front of a computer and quickly do my work. But that, that does wear on you over time. Like it's better to be in front of people. Like we need these social interactions. Maybe it's uncomfortable. You know, maybe it's a little bit yeah, like you have to climb the hill, you know, you have to do the drive, you have to do the commute, you have to go into the office and stuff like that. But I think that a lot of people who've had that experience who did come back to the office are like, okay, I do see, I remember some of the benefits of this that maybe I had forgotten. I talked about this uh, before we started, but there's, I can't remember, I wish I knew the company, I can't remember the name of the company, but they were getting creative to have people stay. And yes, we can demand it of them. Like Don was saying, I can just demand that you do it. But they were getting creative on trying to find that balance and trying to relate to them. And they would bring a drink cart around, but the drink cart didn't come around until like four o'clock to encourage people to want to stay until the end. It wasn't like 10 a.m. mimosas. It was like four o'clock. If you're still here, they bring a drink cart through the area. And I don't know how many organizations, they're on the East Coast somewhere. I can't remember the name of the organization. Otherwise, I would say it now. But just I, I just know it's a reality. People are getting creative. Don, we go to conferences all the time. And it's a struggle trying to hire people. And they're trying to figure out, uh, man, what is that balance? And so I think, is there is there is there a weaning process of the face-to-face idea there you know we talked about to create be able to create a highly engaged and i'm reading your faces you can't see them everybody's looking at me like what are you talking about weaning product the one i'm talking about the <laughs> like are we, we are that, we weaning or losing is that what you're saying <laughs> that cre- create that highly engaged employee you know we talk about man we want to immerse them in the culture we want to uh, you know really engage them in person or at least on video from the beginning but i don't know six months later down the road does some of that go fall to the wayside just a little bit now we're kind of in a a cadence of technology like are we encouraging more of the face-to-face interaction more of the video more of that stuff 
early on in the hiring process and then, okay, we're still going to do some, but it's not as intense as it was in the beginning. Wouldn't you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I think that one of the jobs of managers are to watch. I think the primary job of managers are to guard the culture of their team. So I think that a manager, owner, executive, whatever, supervisor should be watching how their team interacts and thinking about how to tweak things accordingly. So like if you initially like onboarding, like you talked about it, like it's an employee's journey, like, okay, initially I want you to have more interactions with people, but you might just watch it and say like, I think our team is feeling distant from each other. I wasn't even the one that called that out on our team. And I think we talked about it a few months ago, like we just need to spend more time together, not doing work. And I know that sounded, that sounds kind of funny and counterintuitive a little bit for some folks, but we started doing that. I think it does feel better overall for the team. So there's not like a hard rule of this is, you need to have three Zoom calls in person per day, but then do once and there's nothing like that. I think you're constantly tweaking and adjusting your team based on where your team is at. Mm-hmm. Well, were you going to add to that, Diana, specifically? Yeah, yeah. And I was going to say, I think it's also the manager it's sort of their job to reflect that too. And to model that a little bit, because I know that I know that Bethany calls me randomly, Don, you call me randomly. Like you've made it okay on our team to just pick up the phone and just be like, I got to talk. Let's just loop Diana in. Right. Cause I'm the only one who's like really remote remote, but you've made it okay for people to just pick up the phone and say, Hey, I had a question about this or, Hey, how are you doing? Like both of those comments and calls are good in our team and okay on our team. So everyone here models it for new people and models it for each other. And we are intentional about it. And I think just integrating that sort of behavior in is important. Yeah. And I was going to go back to even my example, like with my daughter and Alexa is like, when you talk about like weaning back to certain, like just like, we, okay, we're doing less Zoom calls or whatever as we would be at the beginning. I think it's like, like even in that situation, it was an acknowledgement of like, okay, we did this. We did this. And it was like, we were seeing like negative effects without going into all the details of like, not only was it like, okay, she's waking up on her own to get ready for the day, but then she was more likely to go into her room and close the door and not spend time with even her little brother or us, or we didn't know what all she was listening to all the time, even though there's like a certain level of controls that are happening on that. You know what I mean? And so, so to, to us, it was like, okay, we're not going to get rid of this technology necessarily, but we're going to put it in a place where we all have access to it and we can all enjoy it together. So it wasn't even that, but it was like, okay, so I'm going to have that personal connection with her. And then over time, like we probably can still, like we probably will back off of some of that, or she will grow into being able to take on like using more technology or we might be, you know, she's going to have to be able to wake up at a certain point on her own. So we'll give her like something, whether it's an alarm clock or something else to be able to like wake up on her own. So it's a, to your point, I think it's like, it goes back to that kind of example too, of like, yeah, we're seeing like, we had to make some adjustments because we're maybe not there yet, or we're not ready for her to have full access to that. And I think similarly, what you're saying, Matt is like, yeah, at the beginning of a, of a employee's life cycle, like we do need to have a lot of touch points and a lot more personal interactions because it's going to set a better foundation for that employee's success in the organization too. It reminds me of a recent episode of Ted Lasso where they were performing, they're 
getting ready for the season. I'll try not to blow it if you're watching this, but they're two different teams, right? And Ted Lasso is the coach. He's the very people-centric coach. I would say that watching that, if you haven't watched that before, he does it. He's a very people-centric leader. You can see the way he approaches it. And they're showing him leading the team and they're showing their competition leading the team very differently. And the competition, it's like practice, practice, practice. we got to get ready for the team. And it's just hardcore and all the other things. And then Ted Lasso is over here and they're doing the practice and they're working hard. And there's a moment where like the team's just not quite clicking. So they go on a field trip and it's like the, the general manager is like, well, where are they? They should be practicing. He's like, no, no, no. They're like touring the sewer systems in England or something like that. And he's like, why are you doing that? But it really clicked because he recognized looking around the team that if you look bigger picture, I needed to bring them together in terms of what we're doing. And it's, it's the same kind of a thing. Like the, your goal, Bethany, for your family isn't to get the kids to school as quickly and efficiently as possible. Your goal is to enjoy each other and to develop each other and to learn from each other. And that's the lesson learned. And sometimes I think we take our eye off the ball saying, yeah, we can do it this way and it would be faster to do it that way, but it's not always better to do it that way. Yeah. And what I'd add to that of like, you know, I think it's just so important. You're communicating that why to the team when, if you're making changes to when or where they're working or how you guys are working, it's you know, we're all working with adults. So tell them, like, tell them like, this is the culture that we want. You know, we want to have this team together. Like, I, I mean, I'm a huge Ted Lasso fan. And so like thinking even about that episode of like, he gave them such a clear why of they were doing this as a team and why it was important for them to like go off the pitch and have this field trip and do this stuff. If he had just done that and then really not given explanation. And then it was just forceful, like you're going to do this and you're going to do it now the team probably wouldn't really have bought into the idea of leaving practice because they're looking at their competition and going like, well, we need to practice just as much as them. Um, So it's really communicating that why to your team too, of like, hey, if we're going to bring you back to the office, it's because we want a culture where it's, there's the human interaction, where there's the people we believe we collaborate better, you know, when we're here. And so we may give you some flexibility to work from home on days. You know, if you have a job that you really need time and little interruptions to do that, but there are going to be some things we have you here for, or, you know, we're going to have our cameras on for zoom meetings, because this is how the culture that we want of just really sharing that with people and honestly allowing them to get behind it, allowing them to support the culture that you're wanting to build, or it helps them see like, Hey, like maybe that's not what I, I want and they can make their choice too. Yeah. I like that point. I think that's really good because then even in like my, my story too, it was like, we had to make sure like, how do we, like, I'm going to communicate this to our daughter to help her see that like, if this is not your fault, this was probably our fault actually. (laughs) Like we made this, we made this decision. We allowed this to happen and we're going to make an adjustment, but it's not because you're not in trouble for it. We just, we just want something different to, to kind of how Don explained, like, this is the goal that we have for our family and what we want to do. And so similar, I like that point of saying like, here's the why behind why we're doing this. We're not trying to be mean. We're not trying. We don't think that you're doing bad things. You're not in trouble. Like, but this is what we're, this is what we're shooting for. And I think it's going to make us better as a team. And I think we're all going to enjoy it at the end of the day, even though you might still get some pushback as a leader on this event, you know, at the beginning, but hopefully people adjust over time. All right. Thanks, everybody. It feels like we've covered this topic uh, forwards and backwards. Uh, Any other parting shots here that uh, anyone would like to offer up? 
I just want to offer if anybody wants some help in automating their house, I would love to help them on this team. This is not a, this is not for the listener out there. Don't call me. I don't care about your houses there, but if for any of our people here, if you want some help, I would, I can help you with that. So yeah, will you come to Tacoma and automate? my? <laughs> yeah, I will. Okay. Yeah. We'll be there next month. Yeah. Let's do it. Yes. <laughs> I'm in. We'll be right there. It's funny, you know, I, I didn't say it ahead of time, but uh, my 18 year old son the other day, we do have the doorbell and all the stuff, all the video stuff. And one of his friends had come around the corner. They were going to come on, ring our doorbell on takeoff. You know that game. And uh, the guy got on the front porch and he saw it and he was like, oh, and turned and left. But he didn't know that it automatically records. Like I got him and I screenshot in the video, like, hey, you know this guy? Like, yeah, I know that kid. Okay, because he's like, oh, and froze and left. And so technology is also also good, but we're saying time and place. And really, you know, a lot of the things that we're talking about with us, you might be working for a larger company going, you guys can do that. You're a five-person organization. It's easy. You guys are kind of like a, the size of a family anyway. Might be harder to do that, uh, you know, given the scale of the operation that you're running. Uh, and, I, and I get that, but uh, you can do this. You know, you can be creative, proactively, intentionally creative uh, in order to help build the culture that you are trying to achieve. If you have other questions on the topic or have other topics that you'd like to feed us, we're always welcome to that. Listen to the outro to find out more and please continue to share the podcast. Thanks everybody. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the People-Centered Podcast. We are so grateful for you joining us every week. If you like this content, please like and subscribe. Also, feel free to share on your social media with everyone that you know. It really does help us. If you would like to contact us, I have put our information in the show notes. Please reach out anytime. We love hearing from you. We will be back next week with a new topic. Until then, be well and lead well.